0: Our story opens with 12 brothers. That's right, 12. Their dad is Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, you know, the father Abraham had many sons. That guy. Anyway, number 11 out of Jacob's 12 sons, this dude, his name is Joseph. Now, for all you moms and dads out there, I know you don't have favorites, but Jacob does. He loves Joseph the most, and everybody knows it. He even gives Joseph this flashy, colorful coat just to rub it in all their faces. Well, that ticks off the other brothers enough that they start planning to kill Joseph. Yikes. They are dead set on showing their pipe-dreaming brother he's not as special as everyone says. Certainly not special enough to fulfill whatever fancy purpose he thinks God's calling him to. Then Joseph's brothers decide, Hey! You know what'll really teach that little punk a lesson? If we sell him into slavery. And so Joseph gets hauled off to Egypt. At this point, you gotta wonder if Joseph thinks any other surprises might be coming his way. I mean, what else could possibly go wrong? Yeah, about that. Joseph becomes a servant in the house of a guy named Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of some pretty risque stuff. So Joseph ends up in prison. Looks like Joseph's situation has gone from bad to worse. You certainly couldn't blame Joseph for feeling forgotten, or like there's no way God could still use him to do anything important. But thankfully, Joseph knows God, and God has something special in store. While Joseph's in jail, he gets on the Pharaoh's good side. So Pharaoh sets him free and basically makes him his right-hand man. That's when Egypt starts going through a famine. And guess who comes to buy food? Joseph's brothers who had it out for him. Now Joseph could easily get his revenge, but he ends up giving his brothers food, forgiveness, and he ultimately saves his entire family turns out God did have a big purpose for Joseph's life, even in the midst of some seriously terrible stuff happening. Just listen to what Joseph tells his brothers. You guys planned all this for evil, but God planned it for good, to save people's lives. And that's the same promise God makes all of us today. He will use our stories for good when we begin
1: finding purpose in uncertainty. Welcome, everybody, to the weekend. This is going to be a very exciting weekend because you're going to have an opportunity to begin the journey of discovering how God has uniquely shaped you. Now, before we jump into this special message, i want to refer you to a website uh, from a friend of ours. Uh, he's a wooddaler. He's a filmmaker, Tim Mahoney, and it's called Patternsofevidence.com. I encourage you to visit that website because he has so much rich material there on Egypt, the Exodus, Joseph. I mean, it's just phenomenal what uh, Tim has put together. I'd encourage you to check it out. There's material there for every age, and uh, you'll be blessed by that. He's made some great documentary movies that you'll find very helpful and insightful. So use it, especially while we're in this series. I came across something recently that I found really interesting. It's by a guy named Bishop Ullman. I don't know much about him, but I really like what he had to say. And he was trying to get across this idea that each of us has our lives in the hands of God. And here's how he began something like this. So, for instance, imagine that uh, I have in my hands right now a big chunk of marble, you know, in my hands, that's about all it is, is a big chunk of marble. But you put that in the hands of Michelangelo, and oh my goodness, it becomes the David, the masterpiece, priceless art. Or let's say I have in my hands a cello. If I were to try to play that cello for you, you would literally put your fingers in your ears, it would just be awful. But put that cello in the hands of Yo-Yo Ma, and it becomes a masterpiece of music. What's the difference? The difference is in whose hands the instrument is in. Or uh, take, for instance, uh, a basketball. You know, in my my hands, a basketball is probably about $29.95 in terms of cost. Put that same basketball, though, in the hands of Steph Curry, who is the uh, most high-paid NBA player, and it's worth about $40 million. What's the difference? The difference is in whose hands that ball is in, right? Or let's say a tennis racket. Uh, put a tennis racket in my hands, it could be a dangerous instrument. Put it in Venus Williams' hands, and you're a Wimbledon champion. What's the difference? It's in whose hands it's in. Or take uh, a golf club. You know, in my hand, a golf club could uh, be dangerous as well, and it also means we're playing nine holes, it'll probably take us nine hours. But if you put that uh, golf club in Tiger Woods' hands, you have one of the greatest golfers in all of history. The difference is in whose hands it's in. Or let's take something like a stick. You know, a stick in my hand, uh, I could use that to fend off a dog that's coming at me, right? But put a stick in the hand of Moses, and you can part an entire sea because what matters is in whose hands it's in. Or take a slingshot. Put a slingshot in my hand, and what you probably end up with is a broken window. But put a slingshot in the hand of David, and you bring down a giant. What's the difference? It matters in whose hands it's in. Or let's take some fish and bread. Put a couple of fish, a couple of pieces of bread in my hand, you get a fish sandwich. But if you put that fish and that bread in the hands of Jesus, you can feed a whole multitude. Why? Because it matters whose hands it's in. Or take nails. Put some nails in my hands and I'll build you a birdhouse. Put nails in the hands of Jesus and he'll save the world. Why is that? Because it matters whose hands it's in. Can I ask you a question this weekend? Whose hands is your life in? You know, Joseph had his life in the hands of God. It was so obvious that his, ha- that his life was in God's hands. In fact, uh, as I think about that, I realized that, you know, all through Joseph's life, God was just continuously shaping him in so many different circumstances and situations. It brings to mind a principle, and that principle is simply this, that God is also shaping my life and your life. And oftentimes when God does that, it's in conjunction with what he's doing in the lives of others who are around us or who are around me. Why don't you hang on to that idea for a moment because, you know, Joseph, Uh, has been in prison maybe 12 years. And the last two years had to be especially hard if I put myself in that same place. And that's because, if you remember from last weekend, he had interpreted some dreams for Pharaoh's baker and cupbearer. It was bad news to the baker. He was impaled alive. But for the cupbearer, he was restored to his position. And Joseph said, please don't forget me. Make sure you tell him about me and get me out of here. And a cupbearer is released, put back in a service. And for two long years, he says nothing about Joseph. And Joseph has to live in that prison, realizing the guy has let me down. It's been two years. He said nothing. He's forgotten all about me. But he hasn't forgotten about him. I believe God imposed divine amnesia on that cupbearer because, you see, God was also working in some other people's lives as well, Pharaoh and others, bringing about that moment when God would get Joseph out of prison. The same thing is true for you and me. You know, sometimes we want God to do something quickly in our lives, but but God's not ready to do that because our lives affect other people's lives and he's doing something in their life. And maybe I need to be where I am going through what I'm going through in order to touch their life. Or maybe God's bringing them to a place where he'll have them ready for me to finally grow or move or change in some way in order for God to use me in their life. So don't discount where you are right now. God's in control. God knows what he's doing. Well, finally the day came, and uh, Pharaoh has these very strange dreams, two of them. And in the first dream, he sees seven fat cows rise up out of the Nile. And then they're eaten by seven skinny, scrawny, sick-looking cows. He's like, what does that mean? He Goes back to sleep again. He has another dream. This time he sees a single, a single stalk of grain with seven fat heads, healthy heads, meaty heads of grain on it. And then all of a sudden, there's this other stalk of grain that comes up. It's sickly. It looks wind whipped, and the heads of grain on it just are, are shriveled up. And it eats the the stalk of grain with the seven fat heads on it. And he's like, "What does this mean?" And he's, you know, he's trying to figure it out, and he, and he can't. And uh, what he decides to do is is asked for help and all the wise men in Egypt can't help him figure out what he's talking about. Finally, ding, 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 all of a sudden the cupbearer remembers Joseph. He says, I met this Hebrew in prison and I had this dream and the baker had a dream and he told us what it meant and everything he said, it all came to pass. And that was the moment that Joseph was taken out of the prison and cleaned up and brought before Pharaoh. That reminds me of another principle, and that is that Joseph understood that God was the source of his gifting and not himself. We see that happening when Joseph talks to the cupbearer and the baker with their dreams. He says, I can't tell you what the dreams mean, but God can. And now when he's standing in front of Pharaoh, same thing happens again. Pharaoh says, can you explain what what these dreams really are all about? And and Joseph, you know, honors God and says, I can't, but God can. He gave you the dreams. He has the meaning of those dreams and and I'm willing to be used by him to explain it to you. And so Joseph, as God reveals the meaning to him, much like God did to Daniel in the book of Daniel, reveals to uh, Pharaoh that what God has said to him is that there's going to be seven years of great harvest, uh, great production by the crops, what God is saying is, following that time, there's going to be a famine unlike any other famine the world has ever seen. And, it's, and there's going to be no pro, uh, crops. And there's going to be you know, very little food. It's going to be really scarce. And then Joseph says this to Pharaoh, as I believe God gave him the wisdom to say these words. He says, Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge, of the entire land of Egypt. Now, was Joseph thinking of himself? Was this kind of his way of saying, hey, I'm available? I, I don't think so. I think he's just being, I just everything I see in Joseph's life, he's being humble, he's being sincere, and he's saying, this is what you've got to do. You've got to find somebody like this. He says, then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. And when Pharaoh hears those words, not only is he impressed by the fact that Joseph could give meaning to those dreams, which now made total sense to Pharaoh. But he's also impressed with the wisdom of Joseph to have a plan of what needs to happen. He says, I can't find anybody else as wise as this. So I'm going to make you, Joseph, my prime minister. You will be the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. And I want you to supervise this entire experience. And he gives him his signet ring. And everybody must bow down to Joseph. What a transformation. I mean, to go from being thrown in a pit and then a slave and then in jail, falsely accused, and now your second most powerful man in the country? Only God could have arranged that. See, God was always at work in Joseph's life, preparing him for this day. But I want you to look at this principle. God is preparing you each day, to be in the place that you are in in order to use you for his redemptive purpose and glory. And I want you to look at that and read it on your own again because it's really important. You see, oftentimes with a story like Joseph, we discard everything else that happened in his life and we go, ah, finally our hero gets to have his moment, right? He gets to have his moment. This is what he's prepared for all this time. Now he's on top. And we tend to think that way about ourselves too. It's like, when's my moment going to come? Your moment comes every day. Your moment comes every day. Wherever Joseph was in the moment, he believed that God was using him. Every step of the way, from situation to situation, God had a purpose and a ministry for Joseph in that moment. And then, yes, one day all those moments added up and prepared him for the great thing that God was gonna do in his life. You know, the Bible, Jesus teaches us in the New Testament that God gives us all various abilities. He tells that parable of the talents. One man's given five, one man's given two, one man's given one, and they're expected to multiply them. And when they come back and they multiply them, at least two of them, all right, that multiplied theirs, the reward is they're given more responsibility. So the question is, how is God shaping you? How is God preparing you for the future? How is God investing your life in the moment, where you are right now, to be used redemptively by him? And as you're faithful in that moment, I believe God will eventually expand your territory of influence. So here's what we want to do this weekend. We want you to have a chance to understand how God is specifically shaping you and we want to show you how we can help you discover that shape and begin to really maximize its use. So right now I'm going to turn it over to our campus pastors, and they're going to teach you what that acronym SHAPE means. Finally, watch this. Here at Eaton Prairie, and those of you joining us online, I've asked Pastor Kyle if you would come up and join me. Pastor Kyle, you're going to uh, teach us now what it means to experience being shaped by God, what that acronym SHAPE means, and how we can be used by God. And I'm excited with what God's going to say through you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Yeah, Looking forward to this opportunity because God has shaped each and every one of us. I'm curious. Have you ever received a gift that you just weren't sure what to do with? Bob Rezek is the CFO at Corn Ferry International, and he tells the story that when he was 10 years old, he loved to play hockey. And for Christmas that year, he asked his aunt for a brand new pair of hockey gloves. Well, Christmas morning arrived, and there was a package all wrapped up from his aunt underneath the tree, and as he tore that wrapping paper off the box, he read the words that were printed on the box, and they were unexpected. It said in big, bold print, men's galoshes. Now, if you're not sure what galoshes are, I I have a a photo here of them. They're these things. They're these uh, rubber overshoes that will go over dress shoes to protect them from the slush and the snow. They're really practical, but if you know anything about hockey, you know that if Bob were to show up to the hockey rink in the neighborhood wearing a pair of these, uh, nobody's picking him for the team. And sometimes I think that's how we can feel about our lives. You know, we we feel like we want to live a life of purpose. And we read that story of Joseph and we think, when is it gonna be my moment? As as Dale was just talking about a minute ago. And then we we look at our lives and, and we don't see that we have the right equipment. You know, we don't have the right resources, or maybe the right talents, or you know, if we could just have the right opportunity, then somehow we would be able to live a life of purpose and meaning. But here's the truth. The truth is that God has already equipped you for the purpose that he has called you for. We just need to understand what our unique shape is. A few years ago here at the Eden Prairie campus, we redesigned our children's wing. And before we began that work, we sat down with the architect and they said, before we start doing the design, help us understand what the purpose will be of these rooms. How is it gonna be used? And if you were to walk through that space today, just looking at how it's designed, you would understand its purpose. Because by looking at how something is designed, you can understand what its purpose is. Folks, the same is true for you and me. If we look at how God has uniquely designed each and every one of us, it gives us great insight into the purpose that he has uniquely for our lives. And to do that, we're going to go through an acronym called SHAPE and this is what SHAPE is all about, S-H-A-P-E. Here's what it stands for. It's about what are your spiritual gifts, what's your heart, your passions? How about your abilities or talents, your unique personality, and your experiences? And by understanding each one of these five different aspects, you have an opportunity to understand how God has uniquely shaped you for service, for ministry, and for purpose. And we're so committed to this here at Wooddale Church that we have actually developed, our team has spent months developing an assessment that you can take. And at the end of this message, I will give you some information about how you can access that assessment and go through it. And our hope as a team has, is and has been that everyone listening to us will take 10, 15 minutes and go through that assessment because we so believe that each of us need to understand our shape. Before I give you information about how to access the assessment, let's learn together a little bit about what SHAPE is all about. Let's start with the S, that stands for spiritual gifts. Did you know that when you said yes to Jesus, a number of things happened in your life. When you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to grace and forgiveness that he offers. You said yes to being part of his family. You said yes to being part of his body, that's the church and you also received the Holy Spirit. That When you accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and now lives and dwells within your life. Did you know that that's true? That is incredible, and that means that when God's Spirit comes and lives in you, the old life is gone, the new life has begun. But more than that, you become a new type of person. You become the type of person that has God's Spirit within them. And when God's Spirit moved into your life, He brought a housewarming gift. And that housewarming gift are your spiritual gifts. You did not have these gifts before you became a Christian. Before you said yes to Jesus, these gifts didn't exist in your life. But when you said yes, God brought them into your life. And you didn't do anything to develop them or deserve them. They're just a gift that God has given. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians. He says this. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Then in verse 11, he goes on to say, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So we learn three things from that little passage of Scripture there. We, We learn that those spiritual gifts, uh, we have some of them, and we receive them from God's Spirit when we became a believer, but we don't have all the gifts. In fact, nobody has all the gifts. You received some of those gifts, and other people received others of those gifts, and that's on purpose, so that when we come together as the body of Christ, all those gifts are then represented. So you need to understand which of the unique gifts God has given to you. The second thing we learn is that when God gave those gifts, he gave them to you, but he didn't give them for you. Those gifts are actually given to help others. And we can only use those gifts and exercise them when we are helping to serve others and be in the body using those gifts that God's given to us. And the third thing is that it was God who gave the gift to you. And because it's a gift from God, we need to receive it with thanksgiving and then use it. It doesn't do us any good to compare our gifts to somebody else's gift and think that somehow that person has a gift and maybe they're more spiritual than than I am or anything like that. Don't compare your gifts to other people. Just know and use the gifts that God has given to you. Now, if you're unsure what your spiritual gifts are, there are a number of spiritual gift assessments that can help you. And there's not any one place in Scripture that lists all of the spiritual gifts, but when you take about four different passages throughout the New Testament, you can construct a list, something like this, that that distributes or, or lists all of the different spiritual gifts. Now, when we have assessments like the one we use here at Wooddale, uh, we notice that not all of the gifts are listed or uh, identified on that assessment. For instance, you won't see the spiritual gift of healing on here. And the reason for that isn't that it doesn't exist. We believe that those gifts exist and all of those gifts still exist to this day. It's, just, it's really hard to assess that in an assessment. If you have that gift, you kind of know it. And if you don't, then you know you don't have that gift. It's it's, it's pretty uh, evident. But others of these gifts, you need a little bit of discernment to try to help you out. So if you would like to find out what your spiritual gifts are, there's two ways that you can do that here at Wooddale. One is that when we send you some information at the, again, end of this message about how to access this shape assessment so you can find your purpose, there'll be some links to the spiritual gifts assessment. Or if you want to just dive right into the spiritual gift assessment, we also have access to this right on our webpage. You can go to wooddale.org slash spiritual gifts. But here's the truth. All of us have spiritual gifts and we want you to know yours so you can use that as you start to uncover your shape. So that's the S. let's look now at H. That stands for heart. When Scripture talks about heart, uh, it it describes not our our actual organ, not not what beats in our chest. But when Scripture talks about heart, it means the the totality, the sum of who we are as people. All of our hopes and our dreams and our aspirations and our desires are all kind of wrapped up in that idea of heart. And here's what we know to be true that oftentimes God will press upon our hearts certain passions, certain things that we want to see accomplish, or, or, or things that we want to see make better. In fact, one of my favorite stories in Scripture is the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah lived in a time in Israel's history right after the fall of Babylon. The Babylonian Empire had come in, God used them to, to punish and to judge his chosen people, and they ransacked Israel and Jerusalem. In fact, they, they tore down all the walls around the city of Jerusalem and carried many of the people into exile. And after the empire of Babylon fell, the Medes and the Persians came to power, and that's when Nehemiah was living. And he was noticing that the Medes and the Persians were allowing people to return to Jerusalem But the walls in that city hadn't been rebuilt, and it was exposing the people. And his heart broke for the condition in Jerusalem, and God inspired him to do something about it. And so Nehemiah, with the help of God, goes back to Jerusalem. And in in miracle after miracle, God provides all of these resources along the way for him to be able to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And as Nehemiah recounts this story that we find in the Old Testament, there's a little line that he uses in chapter 2 that I just love because it describes this idea of passion. Here is what's written in Nehemiah 2.12. This is Nehemiah recounting this. He's describing viewing all the wreckage around Jerusalem with a handful of people. And he said, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do. I love that phrase, what my God had put in my heart to do. And Nehemiah, shortly after this event, would tell everybody what God had put on his heart to do. And they started work on rebuilding the walls around the city. And in 52 days, 52 days, they rebuilt the entire walls around the city of Jerusalem. By hand. You're hearing that and you're like, we can't fix the potholes in Minnesota in 52 days. How did that happen? And how it happened is because it was what God had put on the heart of Nehemiah. Folks, God has put something in your heart. And when you lean into that, when you understand that passion that God has given to you, you will be amazed at how God will work in and through your lives to be a blessing and a help and provide hope to other people. And just to be real clear. Not everything on our heart is from God. And God would never impress anything upon our heart that would violate Scripture or any of His commands and not be within His will. So we always need discernment when we assess our heart and our passions. But if it lines up with Scripture and it lines up with the mission of God to let more people know about Jesus, let me just tell you lean into that heart because God will do incredible things through you. So, what is your heart? So that's the H. Now let's go to the A. That's talking about abilities. Now, abilities are talents. These are a little different than spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are only given to people who are believers in Jesus, but abilities are something that all of us have. Every human who's alive has certain talents and abilities that are just innate. They're just who they are. And when you know what kind of makes you special and what those unique abilities are, it's incredible how engaged you can be. Uh, so let's just do a little uh, follow along here. In fact, if, if you're uh, in one of our venues or you're at home or basically anywhere except driving, you can just play along. Maybe just raise a hand if one of these statements is true for you. So how about this? Do, do you do this? Do you talk to people on elevators and airplanes? You, just, you have that a unique ability to connect with other people, even strangers. Do you know that's a gift? And do you know that not everybody knows how to do that effectively? Or, or how about this one? Do you secretly look forward to doing your taxes? Anybody want to do that or admit to wanting to do that? Some of you just love numbers. And God has given you the ability to handle numbers in a a really organized way. And they just make sense to you. And the rest of us, we pay you to do our taxes because they don't make sense to us. Or how about this one? Do you organize your closet by colors or by season? That's just how God has wired you. Quick story on that. Um, when I got married to my wife Stephanie, that was the first time I realized that when you hang things in your closet, that all of the hangers should actually face the same way, and all the buttons should face the same way on the hanger. I had no idea that was a thing. And uh, when Stephanie got married to me, she realized that not everybody did that. Like she, just for her, that was like, this is what you always do. So. We had a very interesting first load of laundry uh, in, in our marriage, but uh, some, some, some people are just wired that way. God has given them that ability to organize anything. How, how about this? How many of you actually can sing on key, right? Like God's just given you the ability to, to handle music, or, or this one, maybe how do you, you cook for people and they actually enjoy eating that food? God's just, just given you that ability, Or maybe this one, you can build things that don't fall down. That'd be a great gift and and a great ability that I wish I had. Or maybe this, some of you, you just know how to manage money. That's your unique ability. Folks, whatever those unique abilities are, they're unique, they're special, and you can use them for God's good, and they're clues to your purpose. God gave you that ability. In fact, this is what Colossians tells us about what we're supposed to do with whatever we have. says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, and we could go on to say, or with whatever the ability might be, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Folks, whatever your ability is, you can use it for God's good, God's glory, and it's a little clue to what your shape might be. So that's abilities. Let's now look at P. This is personality. You know, our Our society right now is filled with all sorts of personality profiles and assessments. And I really enjoy taking some of those. Maybe you do as well. And maybe if you've taken a number of these assessments, you've found out things like maybe you're an Enneagram 3 with a wing 4, or you're a high D on the disc profile with a little bit of I mixed in, or maybe you're an ENTJ, or maybe according to StrengthsFinders, you're an ideation strategic communication learner achiever. Or maybe that's just me. But whatever you are, you have your unique personality, and I have my unique personality. And there's great diversity in all of those differences and all of those uniquenesses. And here's what I have found working with so many different people, whether that's through Wooddale Church and and what we do here through our ministries or through our staff and helping to to come alongside and, and manage our staff and lead our staff, or the years that I spent doing management consulting and helping people understand their unique giftings as leaders. Here's what I have found. Every personality type matters. And every personality type can be used for God's glory. In fact, your personality was given to you by God. Did you know that? That's what the psalmist writes, what David writes in Psalm 139. Here's here's what it says. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That's true for you. God knit you together. Your personality was handcrafted by the God of the universe to be part of your unique shape. And it is a great clue to the purpose that God has for you in your life. So what is it? What is your unique personality? When you take this shape assessment, you begin to understand how your personality is a clue to your purpose. And then there is the E, our experiences. You know, there are a lot of different experiences out there that can be used and are clues to our purpose in life. There are some of you who have had amazing experiences in terms of your educational background. You've just learned things or done things that many others of us haven't had the opportunity to do. Some of you know how to fly things or drive things. You know how to lead things. You know how to organize things. Some of you have had great experiences in leading organizations or building businesses or or helping to manage finances. Others of you have the incredible experience of raising children and living to tell about it. And some of us who still have kids in the home are are interested in, in learning from your experiences. But God can use so many of the experiences that we have in our lives especially the hard ones. Because many of us have experiences that are really painful. And we wonder, could God use that? But here's what's true. God never wastes a hurt. In fact, some of our most painful experiences can be some of our greatest clues Our purpose. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Did you know that God is the God of all comfort? Who comforts us in our troubles. And here's why so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And this truth has given rise to two really successful and impactful ministries here at Wooddale Church. There's a ministry called A Place at the Table. And A Place at the Table is a ministry that was started by uh, some widows and widowers here at Wooddale Church. They had lost their spouse and had gone through that painful experience And they will tell you that they've realized that when you lose a spouse, it's more than just the loss of a spouse. You also feel as if you have now lost your seat at the table in society. And so they created this place, this ministry called A Place at the Table to let people know that when they lose a spouse, they still have a seat in the church. They're still invited to God's table. And this ministry has had a dramatic impact on so many people. We're seeing people, some of you watching or some of you in our venues right now, have come to Wooddale Church having not been in church before because you were invited to that ministry at a place at the table. And there's a second ministry that that has also been birthed out of some of the hard experiences that people have gone through, and that's called Family Grace The leaders of Family Grace here at Wooddale Church have recognized that while there's never enough resources to support those individuals who are struggling with mental health, there is almost no resources to come alongside the family members of people who are struggling with mental health. And if you have a family member or a loved one who is struggling with mental health, you know this to be true, it wears on you as well. And oftentimes there's just not care for the caregiver. And that's where Family Grace comes in. And they meet and organize here at Wooddale Church and they have provided some great help and support to those family members, giving them godly wisdom and perspective on how to best navigate that situation. Both of those ministries came as a result of people leaning in to the hard experiences, the painful experiences that they've gone through. Here's what I know to be true. God wants to take all of your experiences and help you use them to serve and to bless other people. And it's a clue to your unique shape. So that's shape. That's what shape is all about. It's your spiritual gifts, it's your heart, it's your abilities, your personality, and those experiences. And we have an assessment to help you just kind of collect all five of those different aspects to say, what is my unique purpose? And here is how you can access that information. You can go to our website, wooddale.org, and this is live right now. You can find it. And just click on the Find Your Purpose button. That'll take you right into the assessment. We are going to collect a little bit of information. You'll fill some forms out. As you do that, you will then receive a report that will be all of your responses collected together, and it will be a great tool and benefit for you. Now, if you don't want to go to our website and do this, you also have the option of texting the word PURPOSE, text PURPOSE, to this number right here, 952-234-6300. And when you do that, we will send you a link. We'll text you a link back, fill that out, and we'll send the email directly to you. And also, just to be sure that everybody here at Wooddale Church has an opportunity to do this you can expect that uh, a, little, a little bit later today, uh, after this message airs for the very first time, we are going to be able to send a link out to everybody here at Wooddale Church, an email to ask them to take this assessment. Because folks, we so believe that you need to know your shape. Now, we don't want you just to know your shape. We actually want you to do something with it. So in addition to taking this assessment, we also have trained 48 coaches here at Wooddale Church that are standing by, that are ready to meet with you, to help you figure out how do I apply my shape into a ministry context, a serving context, or, or to you know, maybe a, a job context or, or a life situation? How can I uh, apply this to my unique purpose in my life? And I just believe that that is gonna be such a blessing to you if you'll take some time and meet with one of those coaches and all that can be available and all that information can be available once you complete this SHAPE assessment. That's what we want you to do. Here's why we want you to do this. God's purpose for your life is all about serving him by serving other people. And I know that to be true because the apostle Peter talks about our unique purpose. And folks, I don't want you to miss out on your purpose. Here's what Peter writes in his letter, uh, chapter four, verse 10. He says, each of you, this applies to us, each of you should use whatever gift or we could say whatever spiritual gift, whatever heart and passion, whatever ability, whatever personality and whatever experiences you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Peter's saying, this is what all of you need to be about. And folks, let me just remind all of us that when we follow Jesus, we follow in his example. And when God came to earth and took on flesh to show us how we are best to live our life, how to live a life that is most pleasing to God, that's what Jesus did. Jesus served others. He used his very unique and supernatural shape to serve us and serve God and give us an example that we are to do the same. That's why Jesus says this in Mark ten forty five. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Folks, when you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of the family of God. And in this family, we use our shape to serve others. And when we do, we understand the fullness of the gift that we have been given. I started this message by telling you that story about Bob and the gift he received when he was 10 years old. A couple months later, after Christmas, his aunt called him and said, hey Bob, I just wanted to check in. How are you enjoying those hockey gloves that I gave to you for Christmas? And Bob ran up to his room and opened his closet and found the box of men's galoshes and for the first time actually opened up the box And there he found not a pair of galoshes, but the brand new hockey gloves that he had wanted all along. Folks, I want you to know your shape so you can fully unbox all the gifts that God has given to you because they are a clue to your unique purpose. Let me pray for us. Father God, we are grateful for the way that you have uniquely wired and equipped each and every one of us. And Father, I just pray now for us at Wooddale Church that we would take the step. Father, we would commit the time to exploring and understanding how you have designed us so that it may be a clue to the purpose that you have for us. And Father, I pray that like Joseph, we would not wait for the big reveal when it would all make sense, but Father, that we would be faithful in the day to day as we day by day look at our unique gifting and how we can best serve others and serve you this day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.